to everybody gathered in this evening. Um, just as the last few come in to, to gather with us this evening, we'll just maybe sing one um, so, hymn here as we keep our seats. So if you want to turn to 392, if you want to look it up, or it will come up on the screen. Oh, happy day that fixed my choice on thee, my Saviour and my God. Well, may this glowing heart rejoice and tell its raptures all abroad. This is a good flowing song, so let's sing it out to the, the glory of God this evening. disappeared so we'll maybe stop at that one I don't know where it's gone there will be back up in a wee minute I'm not going to tackle the next verse on my own <laughs> so I'm not so while we wait for the, the the words to come up for the next one we'll, we'll maybe sing the next one as our opening hymn number 375 in the hymn book I don't know whether you need to lift the hymn book or on front of you or not or whether the hymn it'll come up on the screen technology is a wonderful thing isn't it it goes wrong um, but the next song is I will sing of my redeemer and his wondrous love to me. And if it doesn't come up on the screen, we all have hymn books and we'll just have to go at it the old-fashioned way. I hope you all brought your glasses. I'm glad I did. <laughs> Usually I'll leave them sitting down there. We stand to sing. I will sing of my...
And that was good singing. Well, listen, we want to invite you all, or I welcome you all tonight to the service, whether you are in the meeting tonight or online. And we, we welcome to the pulpit uh, our brother, Kyle Parks. And we're, we've also got singers tonight, so we have a, a full house tonight. We have plenty on tonight, so we, we welcome Brian and Ruth to sing with us. But just at the outset of our meeting, we're just going to open our meeting in prayer and ask that the Lord would bless us here and all that we would do, that the all glory would be brought to him. Let's pray. Dear Lord and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity where we can come into your house, Lord, and, and open our hymn book and sing these praises of our great Redeemer, one that um, came from heaven to earth to save us, Lord. And we just thank you for that gospel message tonight, Lord, that never changes. We thank you for your love towards man, Lord, that you sent your son to die in Calvary, Lord. And if we trust in you, Lord, that you can give us that eternal life, Lord, that we will always be with you, Lord. And we just thank you for that tonight, Lord. And Lord, we pray even as your word is open tonight by our brother Kyle and the message is brought, Lord, we just pray that you would prepare our hearts, Lord, to listen to that word. Lord, if there be one in the meeting tonight, maybe that's unsaved, Lord, that they will realize that the gospel message is for them, Lord. It's the, the gospel message is for whosoever, Lord. It is for each one of us. And we just pray, Lord, that they would hear your voice and they would open their hearts and turn to you, Lord. If there's one maybe that's backslidden, Lord, cold of heart, we pray the same, Lord, that indeed they would be stirred up and, Lord, that they would return to you. And, Lord, for us that maybe are saved in here, Lord, we just pray that we would even be blessed to sit under the gospel message, Lord, for we know what it has meant in our lives, Lord. We know what you've done in our lives, what we once were and what we are now, Lord. We just rejoice, and, Lord, we just pray that we would, Lord, be able to fellowship here together tonight with you. Lord, we pray for those that aren't able to get in tonight, Lord. We know that there's many among us, Lord, that are sick and, and are, are weary, Lord. Some waiting for operations, Lord. Some would love to be out and just can't because of old age or ill health. Maybe listening online tonight, Lord. We just pray wherever they are, Lord, that you would be with them, that you would undertake for them, Lord. And, Lord, if it be your will that some of them would be restored back to us here to meet with us in person again, Lord. But as they're listening online, Lord, we just pray that indeed that blessing that we find in this house, Lord, would be, would be brought to them too, Lord. So, Lord, we just pray as this meeting goes forth, Lord, that every aspect of it would bring glory to you, Lord, because, Lord, you alone are worthy. Amen. We're going to sing another song now together. We're going to sing uh, 506, Loved with Everlasting Love, and we're going to stand to sing it.
Well, it is a delight this evening to have our brother um, Brian and our sister Ruth along to sing for us this evening. And we're going to come and ask them to sing their first two pieces of song. And after that, don't worry, Brian, it's another Brian. If you could come and bring the announcements straight after that. Thank you. Mine 
good to have um, Ruth with us. We always appreciate your ministry. I think we have discussed the two brands before. And I think the conclusion we came to was that you'd be better at the announcements than I would be at the singing. So I think we'll just keep it the way it is, Brian, if that's okay. But we always appreciate uh, your help and we're always blessed by your ministry. So thank you very much this evening. The meeting's the incoming week, Wednesday night, 6.45, the searchers. Again, I mentioned this morning, down in numbers after the Christmas break. So if you can encourage others along, please do that on Wednesday. Please pray for that. Uh, just again, that the numbers would increase in that, and that the outreach might continue. Then in the evening, uh, 8 p.m., then our Bible study and prayer meeting, and Trevor Matthews will be back with us this Wednesday evening. A really good night with uh, Trevor last Wednesday night. We're always challenged by his ministry, so again, encourage you to come out to that. As mentioned this morning, Thursday, there's no tiny tots, but on Friday evening, the Men's Fellowship meet at 8 p.m., and John Brown, who formerly worked with the Stars Foundation, will be along uh, to tell his life story. That takes us through to next Sunday then, 10.15, the Sunday School and the Bible class, and then the service 11.30 and 6.30, and the speaker uh, throughout the day is Yule Finley. Also then, the Youth Fellowship, they meet in the evening after the Gospel service. Uh, they're having a question and answer panel, and that's some of the former Youth Fellowship members are going to come along and do that, and their topic is Christian life in and after school. Again, it's announcement this evening, always made subject to the Lord's will. We thank Brian and Ruth for those lovely pieces in song and for, for Brian giving the announcements. You know, Kyle's up here in the pulpit. I had no, no idea who Kyle was. It's, as I say, it's his first time here, and it all, all of a sudden has clicked that he's, he's up in Rather Island with our former pastor up there. So we do welcome Kyle this evening to the pulpit, and we're looking forward to hear what the Lord has got to say through him this evening. Um, so we do welcome him. So we're just going to ask um, our brother and sister to come and bring their final piece in, in, or piece in song. And then uh, Kyle will, will take over for there and bring the, the message. Thank you. There's a place where sin's forgiven. Where there's cleansing from sin and from dross, there's a road that starts for heaven at the foot of the old rugged cross. At the foot of the old rugged cross, there's an answer for all of your laws. And you'll find a friendly welcome at the foot of the old rugged cross. There's a place where cares are lifted, cares and burdens that bring one but loss. There's a place where clouds are ripped at the foot of the old rugged cross, at the foot of the old rugged cross, there's an answer for all of your loss, and you'll find a friendly welcome at the foot of the old rugged cross. There's a place of peace and gladness 
Never find in earth's glitter and gloss Where the sweet relief from sadness At the foot of the old rugged cross At the foot of the old rugged cross There's an answer for all of your loss And you'll find a friendly welcome At the foot of the old rugged cross If you have a copy of God's Word, could it take us to Genesis chapter 1, please? Genesis chapter 1. Really, the reading is going to be in Genesis chapter 4, but I just want us really to set the context. So Genesis chapter 1, and we'll be flicking through a few pages until we get to Genesis chapter 4. I really want us to look tonight at the fall of Cain. I find the account of of Cain and Abel in Scripture to be one of the most fascinating accounts within really the whole of Scripture. Within it, we really see turmoil within a family. We see in it the immediate consequences of sin. I sort of find those, those few accounts really before the flood quite interesting because it really just seems like a world that I don't really understand. And then a few, even the few chapters just after the flood, it just seems like a different world to me. But within it, there's still some things that we can really just understand and we can see. And, and we see the immediate effect of sin and we see the consequences of sin. But before I get into Genesis chapter 4, just to set the context as we get into Cain and Abel, because it really starts at the start of the world. You see, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, we read, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And then later down in the book of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the water. And so we start off with God. And God makes the whole world. He made the universe. And if you go outside tonight and you look at the sky and you look at the stars, you get to see creation. Or if you go to the beach and you get to look out at the sea and how beautiful that is, you're looking at the wonderful creation of God or or the beautiful mountains. And that is what God made here in Genesis chapter 1. But as God goes on in this week of creation, God makes man. He makes Adam. And Adam, he was made different than the rest of creation. Adam was made in God's own image. And of course, that image is passed down to you and it's passed down to me. I I so often hear of people who just seem to have so little value in themselves. They just look at themselves and they think, well, I'm not that great. What's so good about me? But friend, you're made in God's image. They think that nobody loves them, nobody cares for them. But friend, tonight you're in God's image. And so we see that God, he makes man. In this work of creation, God makes man. And then in Genesis chapter 2, come over to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16. Because we see that God, he makes man and then he gives man a command. It says in, chapter, in verse 16 of chapter 2, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. 
But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. You see, God had made this wonderful garden for Adam to be in. And it was wonder, and we see the goodness of God in that. But then God comes to Adam, and he comes to Adam with a command. He says, with every tree in this garden, you can eat of it. But of this one tree, Adam, don't eat of that tree. And Adam's given one command. Eventually, God looks at Adam, and he says, it's not good for the man to be alone. And, and God created Adam a wife, and he, and he called her Eve. And so Adam and Eve were now in this garden with their roles to play. And God was good to them. And God provided for them much. Every tree of the garden except one they could eat. Let me tell you, friends, this fruit from these trees, it would be better than any food that we can eat today. And they could eat from every tree of the garden, but this one tree that they couldn't eat from. But it was in the presence of this temptation that the serpent, who was more subtle than any beast of the field, enters the story. Satan enters the story. In amongst God's goodness, in amongst God's love, Satan comes in. And he comes in with temptation. Turn over to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the serpent comes in. And he undermines the authority of marriage by going to Eve first. He doesn't go to Adam who was the head of the home. No, Satan doesn't do that. He undermines the authority that God has given in marriage and he speaks to the woman first. And this serpent, he comes to Eve and what does he do first? He casts doubt on the word of God. That's maybe the most used trick that the devil uses. He casts doubt on the word of God. He'll cast doubt on scripture. And I often hear people coming up and they say, well, how can I trust the Bible? How can I know it's reliable? Sure, there's, sure, there's so, so many academics say that we really shouldn't trust it. We shouldn't take it as an infallible truth. And that is Satan casting doubt on the word of God. But friends, the scripture is truth. And the words therein are words of truth. And what does Eve do? Eve falls for the lies of the devil. She takes the fruit from the tree that she shouldn't have took it from. She takes a bite and then she brings her fruit, this fruit to her husband and, he gives, and she gives it to Adam and Adam takes a bite of this fruit. And it was through Adam's sin that sin enters into the world. And everything that Adam and Eve knew, everything that was home to Adam and Eve, well, it's about to change. Everything's going to be different for Adam and Eve. But God's sovereign plan that eventually the Lord Jesus Christ was going to come into the world and die for sin, it was set in motion. But for Adam and Eve, their lives were completely different. And they were removed from their garden into a world unknown to them. And as we go into Genesis chapter 4, turn over to Genesis chapter 4, I want us to go along with Adam and Eve tonight. What is it about this world that's going to be so different they were in this perfect garden. Everything was wonderful for Adam and Eve. But now as they go on, what's going to be different for them? What will the damage of sin be? And of course, with us in hindsight, we can know exactly how wicked sin is. We can see heartbreak that sin brings. Death, sickness. And we know what sin brings. We know what, what the punishment of sin is. And eternity in hell. But with Adam and Eve, they're stepping into a world unknown. And so as we come into verse 1 of Genesis chapter 4, we'll go with Adam and Eve. In verse 1 it says, And Adam and Eve, and Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a teller of the ground. 
And in, and in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with, his, with Abel his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from, from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tellest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding should kill him. And Cain went out of the presence of the Lord, and dwelt in the land of Nod, on the east of Eden. Well, Adam and Eve were removed from the garden, and life for Adam and Eve was now going to be vastly, vastly different. Sin had came into the world. They had to figure out how to live with it. I wonder, can you imagine that? We know, we know how to live with sickness. You, you go to the hospital. But there was a time when Adam and Eve had their first cough, their first sore throat, maybe their first stomach bug, and they had to figure out, how are we going to live with sin? And they're going to see more and more about the consequences of sin and the seriousness of sin. And that's what they see with these two boys, Cain and Abel. You see, Adam and Eve, they have a family. They have Cain and they have Abel. And with these two men, we see the seriousness of sin. We see Cain fall into sin. But I think with Cain's sin, we also see something of God's great compassion. And as we come into this text, I want us to know three very simple things. <clears throat> I want us to see the cause of the sin. What was it that caused Cain to sin in this way? Then I want us to see the curse of Cain's sin. Cain's sin, it didn't go unpunished. Friend, sin doesn't go unpunished. What was the curse of Cain's sin? Then finally, I want us to see the cure from sin, or the saviour from sin. And what a blessing it is that when sin came into the world, God didn't abandon us. He didn't leave us in the dark. And this evening, friend, you might be living in sin. You might be on your way to a hopeless and lost eternity in hell tonight. But friend, let me tell you something. God hasn't abandoned you. And if you're here tonight, he's offering you another chance to put your faith and trust in him. So first, the cause of Cain's sin. Look down at verse 3 again. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? 
And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be, shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. Well, Cain and Abel, they bring their sacrifices to the Lord. And well, Cain, he gathers his fruits. He was a farmer. And he gathers vegetables and fruits and, and he brings them to the Lord. These were his offerings. He sets his offering down by the Lord and he says, Here it is, Lord, my good works. It's the works. It's the toil of my labors. That, that's, that's my sacrifice. That's my offering to you. And then here comes Cain's little brother, Abel. And Abel, well, he's different. He doesn't bring his hard work. He doesn't bring his toils. He, he doesn't trust on his works. He, he doesn't uh, produce what he's worked for. He just brings the firstborn of his flock. In a sense, he's saying, well, the Lord deserves the best that I've got, but he's not wanting my works. This, this firstborn was nothing to do with Abel. This was of the Lord, and he, and he sets this before the Lord. Uh, he brings a blood sacrifice, and, and the Lord has these two sacrifices. And on one hand, you have Cain. You have good works. You have a man who worked hard, and that's what he's counting on, his works. On the other hand, you have Abel. And he doesn't bring anything to do with himself. He just brings the firstborn for the sacrifice. Nothing to do with himself. And as the Lord looks upon these two sacrifices... As he looks on the works of Cain, he rejects it. And as he looks at Abel's sacrifice, he accepts it. Right there, friends, we have two religions, don't we? On one hand, you have the religion of Cain. A religion of good works. And the majority of the world have this religion. I hear it all the time. You go and you ask someone, well, do you think you're going to go to heaven? And what's the response you usually get? Well, I think so. I mean, why would God reject me if you were to put my good works up against my bad works and weigh them out? Well, my good works would, would win every time. Sure, I give to charity. Sure, I'm a good person. I show up for work on time. I'm nice to everyone I see. One time I put money in a homeless man's wee cup. Sure, why would, why would the Lord want to reject me? Sure, look at all the good things that I've done. And I hear that all the time. People saying, sure, I'm a good person. Why would God want to reject me? And friends, so many people, they live their life thinking that it's because of their good works, thinking that if their good works outweigh their bad works, that they'll, that they'll have an eternity in heaven, that they'll have a mansion being prepared for them. Friends, that's not what the Bible teaches. And so many people, they live their lives thinking their good works are going to get them into heaven, and they die and they go to hell. Listen, salvation has nothing to do with yourself. It's nothing to do with your works. I know every other religion says it is to do with how good you are. But friends, that's nonsense. It's nothing to do with yourself. Romans chapter 3 reminds us there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of their way. They together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. This evening you're living under the false idea that if you're a good person that somehow you're going to be accepted by the Father. Friend, you're living a lie. That somehow because your good works might outweigh your bad, that somehow you're going to get to enjoy the splendors of heaven for all eternity. Friend, you'll die and you'll go to hell, absent from the love of God. Friends, it's serious. And you can't get it wrong. Don't ever fall into that same religion that Cain fell into in thinking that somehow your works are going to be good enough to go to heaven. What does Ephesians teach us? It teaches us, for by grace are ye saved through faith. 
and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And to be accepted by the Father, if you're counting on your works, friends, you will die and you will go to hell. Then on the other hand, you have Abel. He's not counting on his works. He's not counting on what he's produced. He just brings a blood sacrifice. And today, friends, we don't have to bring a blood sacrifice. We're not in that day. We, we don't have to bring a lamb to the Lord Jesus Christ because God the Father sent God the Son to come to this earth, to take on flesh, to dwell among sinful men, to eventually be led like a lamb to the slaughter, to die on that center tree. The Lord Jesus Christ was that once-for-all sacrifice. And it's through this sacrifice that you can have eternal life. Not of yourself, not of works. It's through this sacrifice. Hebrews 10, verse 12. But this man, after he had offered a one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. You see, Cain had put his trust in the wrong thing. He put his trust in his own works, and the Lord rejected him. And it was because of this rejection of his offering that Cain is filled with anger. He's crossed. Look at verse 5 again in Genesis chapter 4. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall it be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. You see, Cain was filled with anger. Cain had made this mistake. He counted on his own works. He counted on his own toils, and he was rejected. And he was on his way to hell. But in verse 7, the Lord comes to Cain and he offers Cain another, another chance. He offers to Cain a loving warning. I'm so glad that our God is the God of first chances, second chances, third chances. I wonder if you ever heard someone say that, oh well, God wouldn't want me now. Not after what I've done. I've made mistake after mistake after mistake. I've sinned and sinned and sinned. You don't know what's in my past. Sure, God wouldn't want me. I wonder if you heard people say that. Friends, I wonder, are you the one saying that tonight? Sitting in this meeting thinking as though God couldn't save you. Friends, God is the God of second chances. And if you're sitting in this meeting tonight, friend, God is offering you another chance to put your faith and trust in him. I'm often struck by the thief on the cross. And you'll remember that, how the Lord Jesus Christ, he's dying on that center tree, and, and next to the Lord Jesus Christ, you have this malefactor, a thief, a criminal, an evildoer, spent his whole life doing wrong. He'd maybe done nothing right his whole life. But in the last moments, he cries out to the Lord. And what does Jesus say to him? He says, today you'll be with me in paradise. I wonder if there was going to be anyone who was unsavable. It was this thief on the cross. A man who'd done no right, who was being killed for his crimes. If anyone was going to be unsavable, it would be this man. But was he unsavable? Far from it. Friends, our God is the God of second and third chances, and even more than that. Listen, you're never too far gone for our Savior's mercy. And the Lord comes to Cain, and he gives to Cain a warning. And he says, Cain, sin lieth at the door. It wasn't too late for Cain. Cain had to ask himself the question, well, am I going to follow the Lord? Or is he going to give in to the old carnal mind? And what do we read in verse 8? And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. I wonder what he talked about. What did he ever think of that? What did Cain and Abel discuss before Cain killed him 
in cold-blooded murder. I, I don't know what they talked about. Look at verse 8. And, came, and Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And just like his parents, Adam and Eve, just like mum and dad for Cain, Cain listened to the devil. He didn't listen to the loving warning given by God. He listens to the devil. He goes out into the field with his younger brother. He talks with him. I don't know what they talked about, but it's after their discussion that Cain rises up and he kills him. And Cain murders his brother in cold blood. And when you ask me, when was Cain's downfall? I don't think it was when he brought the wrong offering. I think it was when he he had the chance to repent. He didn't want to have anything to do with repentance. He was filled with wrath. He was filled with anger. Friends, I wonder, are you given the chance to repent? I wonder in your life, have you been, had times when you've had the chance to repent, but I don't know what it is, maybe pride? You don't want to. You don't want to admit that you're just a sinner. You're filled with anger and you reject salvation. Cain rejected salvation. And his hard heart was too hard to accept this loving warning. And he kills his brother. And it was after this loving warning. He didn't pay heed to this warning. And friend, if you're here tonight and you're contemplating putting your faith and trust in Christ, then can I say to you, sin lieth at the door. The devil does not want you to accept the wonderful truth of the gospel. And the devil's going to do everything in his power to, to to get you to reject the gospel. Friend, sin lieth at the door. He would want you to be like Cain and reject God's forgiveness, to reject God's second chance. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, that reminds us, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Friends, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, sin lieth at the door. But God, he offers you this second chance. You see, the devil would harden your heart He wants you to give into that old carnal mind, that sinful heart. But friends, he doesn't want you to put your faith and trust in Christ. But what are we reminded? What does that song, that hymn tell us? It says, come to the Savior, make no delay. Here in our word he has shown us the way. Here in our midst he's standing today, tenderly saying, come. Friends, don't put it off. Don't let that heart within you get colder and colder and harder and harder to the wonderful truth that Jesus can forgive sin. So we see the cause of Cain's sin. And as we come on, I now want us to see the curse from Cain's sin. Look down to verse 8. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tellest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. Well, Cain had committed this awful sin. He had really just gave in to the devil. And then the Lord comes to Cain in verse 9, and and he asks him, Where is Abel thy brother? 
I wonder, in a sense, is God giving Cain another chance to repent? But Cain's heart is hardened. It's cold to God. And he gives the Lord an unrepentant reply as he just says, Am I my brother's keeper? And then it is that the Lord pronounces Cain's judgment. Look at verse 12. When thou tellest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. You see, Cain was unrepentant and he was judged. Friends, tonight, if you're unrepentant, friends, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your own and personal Savior tonight, then, friend, you'll be judged. And as Cain says, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Friends, if you're unrepentant, your punishment is greater than you can bear. You see, friends, if you're unrepentant, your punishment will be in eternity in hell. And hell isn't some make-believe. It isn't some state of mind. Hell is a real and physical location. And if you die in your sin, friends, hell is a guarantee. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Friends, I think that so many people just live live their lives for themselves. Don't want to think about God. Sure, God might make their life boring. Why would they want to worry about God? And and they live their life living for themselves, just wanting immediate fun. And and when that time comes and they die, they go to hell. And friends, that time is coming. Everyone in this room someday will die. Unless the Lord comes back and calls his saints home, everybody here will someday die. And it's after death, eternity begins. And friends, you ought to be ready for it. People are so caught up with the world's pleasures, with fun, with their own pride, that they neglect to think of eternity. And when that time comes for them to die, they go to hell. (coughs) Hebrews reminds us, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? You know, when Cain was cast away, it wasn't because there was never an opportunity for Cain to repent. It wasn't because God was never gracious to Cain. That's not why Cain was lost. It was completely the opposite. It was despite God's love, despite God's mercy, despite God's grace, still Cain chose to reject the wonderful mercy of God. And friends, I wonder tonight, despite God's mercy, despite God's grace, despite God's love, are you refusing to accept the truth of the gospel? Are you failing to accept the truth of John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so we've seen the cause of Cain's sin. We've seen the curse of Cain's sin. Now finally, I just want us to see the cure for sin, or the Savior from sin. Look at verse 14. It says, Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Well, the Lord had put this curse on Cain, and Cain, he starts complaining. He starts moaning. He's not complaining because he feels guilty for his sin. Far from that. He's complaining because he doesn't like the consequences of his sin. 
And the Lord in his goodness and in his grace puts a mark on Cain. I don't know what that mark was. But he puts a mark on Cain. Uh, and it's basically saying, nobody can touch Cain. Uh, and Cain goes on his way. And he was lost. And, and we don't read in scripture anything of Cain ever repenting. And so if he didn't, Cain died and he, and he went to hell. He rejected the only one who could save him from hell. He rejected the saviour from sin. Friends, wouldn't it be such a shame if you were to leave this meeting tonight having rejected the one who can save you from sin? Having rejected the only one who can save you from sin. Friends, there's nothing in yourselves that can save you from sin. It's only through the Lord Jesus Christ. What a shame it would be if you were to leave here having rejected the saviour from sin. You know, friends, God loves you tonight. He loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son into the world to be put up on a cross, to have his body broken, to have his precious blood shed, to die on the cross, to, to be rose again. What love that took. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. You know, we really have just two brothers in this story. We have Cain and Abel. Both Cain and Abel were brought up in the same way, with the same parents, being taught the same things. But one knew God and one didn't. Sometimes I hear of godly parents who get discouraged because one of their children have abandoned the teaching of Scripture. And they look at themselves and they say, well, where did I go wrong? They just think, oh, it must have been my fault. Did I push them too hard? Go to this meeting, go to that meeting. Maybe I didn't push them hard enough. I, I just let them stay at home the odd time. And godly parents can get so discouraged because a child has gone into the world and, and they just think, well, it has to be my fault. Maybe there's some parent here that needs to be, that needs to hear to not be so hard on themselves. Yes, you have to be accountable for your children. But sometimes children just go into the world. It's not your fault and you can get discouraged by that, but maybe you just need to be told, it's not your fault. A while ago, my own pastor, and you know him well because he was the pastor here, Ian Wilson was speaking about Cain, and he noted this about Cain. He says that Cain was an attender. He was there with his offering. Cain, he was a worshiper. He was there with his offering to worship. Cain was a giver. He brought this, this sacrifice, and I know it was rejected, but he, he was a giver. So Cain was an attender. He showed up. He was a worshipper. He would have sang the hymns. He was a giver. He would have put money in the box. Friends, Cain wasn't saved. And the church in Northern Ireland is full of people like that. People who come to church week in, week out. They wouldn't miss a service. They stand up and they sing louder than anyone else for the hymns. They maybe give more than anyone else would give. But friends, they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just a social club. That's all church is to them. Friends, being an attender, being a worshipper, being a giver, it doesn't save you. Acts 16, verse 31 reminds us, what does save us? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's simple, isn't it? There's nothing tricky about the gospel. The gospel's not complicated. It's so simple. I wonder, do you know the Lord this evening? If you don't, don't leave this meeting not knowing Christ. Don't leave this meeting like how Cain walked away, unrepentant, on your way to hell. The three things were simple, weren't they? 
We've seen the cause of Cain's sin. We've seen the curse of Cain's sin. And then we've seen the cure from sin. The saviour from sin. Friends, I hope you know that saviour. I hope you won't reject the wonderful truth of the gospel that Christ came into the world to save sinners. You know, Adam and Eve were removed from the garden to start this new life. A life that they didn't know what it was going to be like. And as they had their two boys, Cain and Abel, and as one kills the other, I'm sure that their hearts just broke as they had just seen the consequences of sin. But friends, God didn't abandon us. And he sent the Lord Jesus Christ to come and die for sin, to take that punishment. Friends, I hope you know the Lord tonight. I hope you're not going to leave here on your way to hell. Be in time, be in time. While the voice of Jesus calls you, be in time. If in sin you longer wait, you may find no open gate, and your cry be just too late. Be in time. Friends, don't leave it too late. Don't be like Cain and let that heart of yours get harder and harder and colder and colder to the gospel message. Friends, if you don't know the Lord tonight, would you come and just simply put your faith and trust in him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do just give thee thanks that even... At the start of the world, really, we can just gain so many lessons and we can just see a picture of how you give us so many chances to put our faith and trust in you. Father, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, Father, would you just convict them? Don't let them leave this meeting tonight without knowing you. So, Father, we just ask that you would just be with us. And Lord Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen. Well, we're going to sing. I heard an old, old story. It's number... 646 in the hymn books if you want to use them. Standing to sing, 646.
Heavenly Father, we do just give thee thanks for this another chance just to hear the gospel. Father, we pray that if someone here doesn't know you, Father, even just as they listen to the words of that song, would they just, would they just want to see that mansion that you have built? Father, if there's one here that doesn't know you, convict them. So, Father, we just ask that you would just be with us uh, this week and just be with us as we go. Lord Jesus Christ, precious name. Amen.